Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 120 of the Sco Show. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, July 16th, 2020. And we've got a pretty loaded show for you today. We actually have some news to talk about as Wednesday was a big day in the National Football League with a bit of a deadline that has some Patriots-related news attached to it. Also, in the second part of the show, we're going to talk about Bill Belichick, the GM. I put on the clown makeup on Tuesday and waded into a conversation on the timeline, which I usually don't do, but for lack of a better excuse, I was bored. And so we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. Also, a quick bit of news. This is the last show for about a week or so. Uh, Next week, family going away, packing up the family wagon, headed to the Outer Banks. If you're going to be out that way, give a socially distanced wave or two. No, seriously. I mean, hit me up. Going to be out there for a week. Um, Going to place, going to eat some fish, sit in the sand, do some reading, try to forget about football. The timing of it's going to be great because for those of you, and I hope all of you, but for those of you that follow along on the Bird app at Mark Schofield, you've probably seen that Doug Farrar and I are doing some top 11 lists at every position working towards, yes, a top 100 of our own over at Touchdown Wire. And that means that next week when I'm on the beach, here are the top 11 lists that I will be dropping. On Monday, the top 11 tight ends. On Tuesday, the top 11 wide receivers. And on Friday, the top 11 quarterbacks. So I am going to be very excited. Very excited. To be kind of away from Twitter when those things drop. Although I will say for the most part, we've I've dropped top 11 safeties, top 11 linebackers. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, top 11 interior defensive linemen. For the most part, you know, people seem to be agreeable, which is nice. But before we dive into yesterday's, well, today as I record it, yesterday's news, as you're listening to it, news, uh, your usual reminders of the outset fall on, like I said, on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work, Touchdown Wire, Matt Walden's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, uh, three different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, Pat's Pulpit. Let's talk deadline day because Wednesday was a deadline day in the National Football League. The deadline for teams to reach long-term extensions with those players that were facing a franchise tag. That deadline was at 4 p.m. Eastern. That was a deadline to sign franchise tag players to long-term deals. If no deal was reached, these players are playing on the franchise tag. And we we can kind of work through these in alphabetical order. In a sense, the first player up was Shaq Barrett, who did sign his franchise tag. He signed it on Tuesday. I was sort of surprised, in a sense, that they didn't reach an agreement with Barrett. I thought, given the year he showed last year, that Shaq Barrett would be somebody that would get a long-term deal done. The Bucks, while they don't have a ton of cap space... They have enough to sort of get something done. You know, playing for the tag number of about $15 million. I'm pulling that up right now. You know, they still had some space to do a deal, but obviously if they would rework something, they'd find more space to do it. 
You know, but instead, no deal done. He's playing for the franchise tag of $15.8 million. He had 20 sacks last year, which is an incredible number. And you would think that they would want to get an extension reached. But as of now, unless we've missed something, no long-term deal. Drew Rosenhaus did tell Ian Rappaport on Tuesday there won't be a long-term deal at this time. But they are optimistic that his future in Tampa is long-term. Bud Dupree, another edge, signed his franchise tag with the Steelers. He's filing a grievance, hoping that he'll be paid as a defensive end rather than a linebacker because he was tagged as a defensive end with a franchise tag salary of 15.8. Or as a linebacker, excuse me, if he goes defensive end, that number will kick up. So he's trying to work through that grievance, but no deal done. A.J. Green, he hasn't even signed the franchise tag. And for those of us who drafted him, the Scott Fishbowl 10, not naming any names, Mark Schofield, you're sweating this one out a bit. Next is A.J. Harris, Minnesota Vikings. They also did not reach an agreement on a long-term deal. He signed the tag. He's going to play out the season on the tag. In my mind, he's one of the best safeties in the league. And they had the money to do it. You'd want to keep him there long-term. You're looking at breaking in two young corners and Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dantzler. You'd probably want to have that safety combination of Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith intact. One guy that did reach a long-term deal, Derek Henry. Four years, $50 million. And that sound you heard on Twitter before all the verified accounts got locked down late Wednesday afternoon was the fact that running backs don't matter to it or was losing their minds. I mean, this is their argument. This is their entire argument. No, it's like that scene from PCU. This is their thesis. You don't pay Derrick Henry when you can spend that money elsewhere and when you can probably replace Derrick Henry's production with some of the other guys on the roster. So this will be the test case to watch over the next couple of years. With the money they've spent on Derrick Henry, are they going to lose the ability to make other moves elsewhere? Hunter Henry, tied in for the Los Angeles Chargers. He's going to play out the season on a one-year franchise tag deal. Obviously, the injury concerns are there, and he's probably betting on himself in a sense. Because if he can show that he can last an entire 16-game slate, it's probably going to make that number creep up. Chris Jones, another player that did get a deal done, the defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, four-year deal worth about $85 million. Probably a good deal. I've seen some people say that they should put some of that money towards the coverage and the secondary, given that they didn't do much in terms of pass rush last year. But you got you know D Ford in place. You got some guys that can get after the pass rusher and the passer, excuse me. And Chris Jones is one of those guys as well. Matthew Judon, he's going to play out the year on the franchise tag. Did sign the tag. They actually reached an agreement of $16.8 million, a midpoint between the rate for linebackers and defensive ends, and the product of a rare compromise between player and organization. Yannick Nagakwe. Jacksonville has received multiple trade offers for him, but they haven't received enough value to deal him. They're in no rush to do so. He's already said, look, I'm not going to sign it. I'm not going to play for you guys. Ian Rappaport 
reported on Tuesday that a Ngakwe, you know, tag and trade situation would be difficult and complicated, but, quote, not impossible. So we'll wait to see news there. Another big one people will watch in Dak Prescott. No long-term deal. He signed his exclusive franchise tag on June 22nd. We could be looking at Kirk Cousins 2.0 there. Brandon Sheriff, he signed his tag back in April. He's going to play under the tag. And we do have another thing to watch with Washington. You've probably seen the rumblings. I've been hearing those as well. I've heard some things of my own. It sounds like there is a big story set to drop about the Washington Football Club that has nothing to do with a proposed name change maybe in the next 24 to 48 hours. Watch for a Friday afternoon sort of news dump on that one. That's all I'll say there. Justin Simmons of the Denver Broncos. He signed the tag. No long-term deal done. I was surprised by this. Very surprised by this. I think Justin Simmons is a tremendous safety. Leonard Williams, he's going to play out the one-year tag. According to Ian Rappaport, he signed this franchise tag from the New York Giants on April 22nd. And that leaves us with Joe Tooney. And some of you probably saw this on Twitter. I wrote sort of a franchise deadline tag tracker kind of thing over at USA Today. Right before, like, say, noon Eastern. And I'm like... Oh, this is, this is fantastic. You know, get some work done. People are just getting follow it throughout the day. I made some predictions. And a prediction that I made was that Patriots wouldn't get a deal done with Joe Tooney. And literally no sooner did I push send on that than it pops up. No deal. Teams are The parties are kind of far apart and they're not getting one done. So... Again, I'm putting on the clown mask, putting on the clown makeup, just Belichick making me look like a fool on the time. I'm, I have learned a few things doing this. Not a lot, but a few. And one of the things I've learned is I have to stop trying to predict Bill Belichick moves. I just, I just, I, I can't, I can't get a read on the guy. I would have thought that a Joe Tooney deal would have been done. I think he's a very important piece of their offensive line, which is a strength of their offensive unit. Let's be honest. If David Andrews is back, you're talking about an offensive line that with Isaiah went in in place of Trent Brown, Brandon Thorne this time last year was telling me it was the best offensive line in the league. He was one of the first guests I had on this iteration of this show. He sat down and said, look, this is the best offensive line in the league, best interior offensive line in the league with Mason, with Thune, with Andrews. Now, obviously, things went a little south with David Andrews' injury, this is a very good offensive line. No Dante's Canarchia. You want that veteran presence. And yet, you know, play the clown music. Play the big top music. Because I just look like an idiot. I should get used to that. You know, and, and as somebody with a, you know, a nine-year-old and a soon-to-be seven-year-old, I'm getting, I should be getting used to feeling like an idiot. I had to explain dad jokes to my daughter the other day. Yeah, we're handing it in there. Up next, more clownery as I wade into the Bill Belichick as general manager debate. That is ahead on episode 120 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 120 of the Sco Show. And I'm going to talk about Bill Belichick, the general manager, in a second. But I do want to make just a little kind of 
announcement slash plea in a sense. And this has nothing to do with me. This has more to do with sort of the global landscape in a sense. Um, obviously, look, we're, we're living through strange times. We're living through anxiety. We're living through angst, fear, all sorts of things. 2020 has thrown a lot at us, kids. Believe me. It, I've joked about it before on this show and elsewhere. It's like the screenwriters of this season of America 2020 were like, let's just empty the decks because we don't know if we're getting renewed for 2021. So whatever crazy plot line you had in mind, murder hornets, COVID, Kanye running for president, let's just air it out there, right? And so we're seeing a lot. And people are on edge. I've seen in my travels, stores, residential areas, the local pool, all sorts of places. People are afraid. People are on edge. People are ready to jump down others' throats. We're all on edge. If you can, just take a breath, breathe, and remember that everybody around you is going through the same things. Everybody's, everybody's working through something right now. Everybody is. And I know I say this often. The offer is always there to slide into my DMs if you're working through some things too. Last weekend, I, I, I was excited and thrilled and honored to join a fantasy football mental health potathon, uh, benefiting the Hayden Hurst Foundation. Hayden Hurst himself came on the show after I did, a couple of hours after I did, um, but I thought it was a great idea. I'm going to chance to talk some fantasy football, some mental health stuff. And I said there, as I say here, you know, my DMs are open. I know there are some DMs I need to return to people. If you're somebody that's DM'd me and I haven't gotten back to you, I've literally carved out some time next week while on vacation to do that. Um, I know I owe some people some return DMs, some stuff. I'm, I've cleared out some time to do that. Uh, but I just, I just wanted to sort of put out there, again, that call that if you need some help, you want to DM somebody, need somebody to listen to, shoot me up on the timeline, DMs, you know. Um, but, you know, just in your daily travels, remember that everybody's working through stuff right now. You know, I had, there was an incident. I'm going to talk about my community pool in a second, but there was an incident with one family yelling at another family about the kids not wearing masks when they were walking through the locker room area and then the new young teenage girl got upset. Everybody's on edge right now. And so... Look, we're all sort of in this together, as they say. And so just bear that in mind. And, I, you know, I'm trying to do it in my own life as well. I'm trying to understand that everybody's working through stuff more than usual right now. Um, so I just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, Bill Belichick, the general manager. And, again, to give you a little life into, you know, story time with Uncle Mark and Uncle Mark's daily travels. We're living through camp at home right now. I mean, the kids were supposed to be in summer camp, you know, and obviously they're frustrated because um, they were supposed to be out playing with their friends every single day. And now they're kind of stuck cooped up at home. But, you know, thankfully in our neighborhood, we have a pool that I can take the kids to. Um, and I know my wife appreciates that because the three of us get out of the house and she can actually get some work done. Um, and so I was at the pool on Tuesday. Uh, kids were playing in the water. I was actually doing some work, um, writing about top 11 tight ends. And I put that down for a minute and I picked up the phone and I saw a debate raging on the timeline about Bill Belichick, the general manager. And it was spurred in part by Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. And, you know, his basic premise was he tweeted out that 
Belichick the coach often saves Belichick the general manager. And I decided to sort of jump in in a tiny little bit. Um, first by tweeting out a gif of Mr. Rogers putting on the clown mask. Because I usually don't wade into debates like that. But I felt like I wanted to throw something out there. And it was in no way sort of intended as an attack on Matt or anything like that. I think the world of Matt. He's one of my favorite people in this industry, one of my true friends in this industry. Whenever I get a chance to catch up with him in person, you know, senior bowl, combine, wherever, it's always great to see him and spend some time with him. You know, we're all getting pulled in 15 different directions and places like this. Um, so it's usually just for like five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes at the bar or something. Um, but I always do appreciate it. Um, to, catch up with Matt. You know, he, he's somebody that's paved the way for me and lots of others. Um, and Matt takes a lot of grief on Twitter, um, more so than I ever have, probably ever will, um, because there are so many people that see what he's done and aspire to be where he is. It's just, he's a lightning rod for stuff like that. Um, but my response was sort of more generic in a sense, because, you know, I've seen it from other corners, you know, Patriots fans too. You know, question and Belichick, the general manager. And we've all ripped on some of his picks before. I mean, Jordan Richards comes to mind. There have been, certainly been others. Dominique Easley and Chad Johnson and so many other picks that he's made. So many other decisions that he's made. That you just sort of wonder, look, man, he's got some misses to him. And the basic point that I wanted to make was that, first of all, I feel like people often emphasize the draft when it comes to evaluating a general manager. And in a sense, that's natural. I mean, think about it. We spend in football media, on football Twitter, you know, every corner of this industry, we spend so much time thinking about the draft and studying prospects and evaluating prospects to the point where it's a year-round thing. The draft industrial complex is a thing. And so when we're sitting there on the third day of the draft and we see this small school tight end from Division Three Mount Union that we've spent four months on the timeline talking up and Belichick passes on that guy to take some third string safety from Vanderbilt, we lose our minds. And we're not alone in this. I think everybody does that because everybody spends so much time talking about prospects that that's what they focus on. And the main point I wanted to make was this. People, since they overemphasize the draft... When there's a draft miss, they look at that and say the guy's a bad general manager. But specifically with Belichick, people tend to ignore the pro scouting side of it, the free agency side, especially the like secondary and tertiary free agency side of things. And that's probably where Belichick does his best work. You know, so that's the point that I was sort of trying to make. Dave Archibald wiser than me, you know, kind of nailed it when he sort of tweeted in response to that. This, quote, people focus on the hit rate, both draft and free agency, without taking into account that they, A, take a ton of shots, 
B, the shots are almost invariably low risk. C, they self-scout really well and move on from mistakes quickly. BB, Bill Belichick, is happy to make 10 more moves and go 2 of 10 on them. And I think Bill, as he usually does, I mean, Bill, David, as he usually does, nails it. And that's the thing that I talked about going into this draft, about the Patriots and other well-run organizations. They give themselves so many bites at the apple that if you go into a draft and you have 13 draft picks and maybe you make eight of them, you're still making more picks than most teams. And you give yourselves opportunities to make trades or do other things to give yourself so many bites at the apple. But to David's sort of latter point, they self-scout really well and move on from mistakes quickly. Absolutely. You know, they're not going to chase down the rabbit hole of a bad move. You know, we just got done talking about franchise tags, right? The Giants trade for Leonard Williams and give up a third and a fifth in the process. If they don't get a deal done with Leonard Williams, they'll have wasted that third and the fifth. So they had to use the franchise tag. They had to sink more capital into that move. It's just the way other teams do things. And the Patriots are different. And the Cam Newton contract is another prime example of this. And I thought it was funny that one of the first responses I got to that quick little tweet that I did was somebody saying, I can't believe we've gone in two weeks from, wow, Belichick's a genius general manager. You got Cam Newton for next to nothing to Belichick's a bad GM. But the Cam Newton in this entire story is an example of Belichick and this front office doing it the right way. Because Other teams might trust their evaluation of a young quarterback to the point where they wouldn't want to take a chance on a different quarterback because they trusted an evaluation that they had done. Now, the Patriots, they obviously trust their evaluation of Jared Stidham, but they don't trust it to the point where they're going to say no to Cam Newton. And I think that's another example of how they understand both their own limitations and their ability to evaluate current pro talent. And I think another area where the Patriots do extremely well, in addition to the pro scout inside and guys like Van Noy and Cam Newton and some of the others that they've brought in, Rex Burkhead, is in that sort of undrafted free agent late round kind of area. You know, I got a response to that tweet about somebody had chimed in. I think it was John from the Scotia Slack channel who chimed in about how they do a great job at evaluating late round talent. You know, he mentioned Stephen Neal, um, who's a wrestler, becomes a part of a Super Bowl winning offensive line. You know, and people said, well, what about recently? And the name Malcolm Butler comes to mind. An undrafted corner out of West Alabama. And then in the biggest play of one of the more exciting Super Bowls ever, he's making an interception of Russell Wilson on the goal line. And he's just one example over the years in recent history. You know, John had brought up J.C. Jackson as a you know late-round guy or undrafted guy out of University of Maryland. You give yourself more bites at the apple. You have more opportunities to make mistakes, but the mistakes will be low risk, low cost that you can move on from. 
And I think that's an area where Belichick does an extremely good job. Does he hit home run after home run? Is he batting a thousand? Absolutely not. But to continue with the baseball analogy, he's not swinging for the fences left and right. He's trying to hit singles. He's dropping down bunts. He's moving runners over. It's all the little things that maybe don't show up in the box score, but win you games, win you a series here and there, and make the difference between you know, finishing outside looking in when it's playoff time or sneaking in as a wildcard team or winning your division. And yes, I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show now that I got my PS3 back, so I've got baseball on the mind a bit. But I think that's where Belichick sort of sets himself out, is that he gives himself more opportunities to make mistakes, he moves on quickly from the mistakes he does make, and gives himself so many opportunities to hit on those extra chances. Is he everybody's cup of of tea as a general manager? No. But has he done a good job? Well, six Super Bowl rings would kind of say that he did. And of course, people then point to, well, you know, Tom Brady. You get the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, in the sixth round. It's kind of what we're talking about. And then people will say, well, they passed on him six times already. Okay. Well, sure. But everybody else did. And how many other teams... And this maybe gets into the general manager slash coach slash player evaluator side. But how many other teams would have kept him around? Kept three quarterbacks when they did. For other teams, these late round picks are just camp bodies. Not so in New England. At least not that's not the way it seems. But that's enough of me for today. And that's enough of me for two weeks because I'm off next week. Try not to burn the place down when I'm gone. I will be back after vacation, tanned, rested, ready to go, and hopefully at the end of July, training camps. And we're back in it. That's why the vacation is time the way it is. Because if we get a season, like I've said before, from August to the draft, it is that sprint again. So I get one more week to recharge the batteries before I start yapping in your ears all week long. I'm sure you might appreciate the break too. That will do it, friends. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, well, I guess a week and a half or so. Until then, stay safe. Remember, everybody's leaving tough lives right now. It's hard for everybody. Do your best. Wash those hands and sin along when you do. And bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.